Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. Hey, Teresa, guess what tomorrow is? Uh, 27th of August. First day of Star Wars Celebration. Oh, right. In Anaheim. Right. So are you already there? We should be there. <laughs> well, my flight would have landed today, but yeah, this is the... As we're recording this on Wednesday, this would have been probably the day I would have arrived in Anaheim. Kind of sad to think about. Oh, you didn't actually have your plane ticket bought then. I did. Oh, you did? I did. I had everything. I had hotel, plane, obviously the tickets to Celebration. Oh, wow. I had it all, but yeah. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't planning on going, so it's kind of funny to me because I hadn't really even thought about I hadn't thought about it. It's Does been. That make, make me a terrible person? No. It I mean, might why make would me you? a terrible person. No, it's it's been a weird enough time with everything going on that honestly it wasn't really on my mind that much either. I saw kind of on Twitter people were bringing it up like, oh, I would have arrived today or I would be hanging out with friends. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is when celebration was supposed to happen. But we knew so long ago that it was going to be canceled. That's like my, I had already kind of made other plans and stuff, so. Yeah, I blocked it from my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so. It is weird, though, because this is going to be the first year since 2009 that I have not, that I will have not gone to any sort of a convention. I was going to say any convention, not just celebration. Yeah. Not for me. I don't usually go to a convention every year, but this will be the first celebration since... I don't know. Six. What? No, I didn't go to six. Anaheim was my first one. Star okay. Celebration. The first Anaheim one was my was my first one. So I've but only they, been to three. Yeah. They did release so. like the I guess because they probably already had all this stuff in the works before they decided to cancel. But they mm. did release like the exclusive merchandise that you can get. Yeah. Some of it's cool. Some of it's kind of weird. Uh, I will admit that the Tauntaun and Luke Skywalker plush is disturbing and, you know, likey. Uh, <laughs> there, of course, there's a lot of Empire Strikes Back stuff. There's this BB-8 avocado shirt that I don't understand. <laughs> like, what? It almost looked, yeah. I... What even is that? Honestly, I don't think I would have even realized that was bb8 unless somebody told me i noticed it was bb8 but i couldn't understand why it's an avocado i don't know i don't inside um, joke for california maybe i don't (laughs) i have no idea i have no idea but there's some cool shirts and some cool stuff but i normally don't make it into the celebration store anyway yeah, and I would never get my hands on any of this because it would be sold out before I got a chance. So I'm the same way. I I never had the patience to wait to get anything from the celebration store, so I never got any of this stuff anyway. So I guess this would be my best opportunity to get something because 
I could just buy it online. And apparently if you already had tickets, you get like early access to this stuff. Mm. But I don't, there's nothing on here that's jumping out to me, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Celebration was supposed to be happening now. It's not happening. So we're going to record our, what would have been our live show. We're going to record tonight. Woo. <laughs> I don't know if this is what we would have done for our live show, but. Oh yeah. This, you know. Dark Legends, that's that's big enough for a panel, right? I don't right? know. We might have. Like, it could have been cool. We would have had George Mann, like, like, with us, though. Like, yeah, but it yeah. would have been, like, Star Wars, Bookworms, Ghost Stories. Turn the lights off. Wear your PJs. That's basically what this book is like. But, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to Okay, well, in the interest of if it was our celebration show, we would have our listeners there, like, to interact with. And we actually have an email from one of our listeners. And this is from Julia, and she wanted to comment on some of our our comments. That's repetitive. She wanted to. She wanted to comment on our comments. Yeah, she wanted to comment on our comments. That works. Yeah, it doesn't. Continue. <laughs> she had some comments about our Queen's Peril review that we did a couple episodes ago. Okay. So she said, I'm a younger listener, a bit older than Padme, actually. I've been listening to your podcast for a few months and have gone back to hear episodes about my favorite books, and I love it. Thank you so much for this. I'm an avid reader, a huge Star Wars fan, so these are my two favorite things combined. I've read probably two-thirds of the new canon YA and adult novels, as well as a few of the middle grade ones. My favorites are Leia, Princess of Alderaan, Master and Apprentice, and Queen's Peril. Since I have no social media, I decided to email you my thoughts on Queen's Peril. First, I would like to say bravo on you for being a teenager and not having social media. Seriously, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. She's already starting out life correctly. Already better than probably even I was. Although I didn't have social media when I was in high school. And you definitely didn't because that was like back when dinosaurs were on the earth. All right. Okay, so she said, I absolutely love the handmaidens, dresses, and the Naboo culture. However, when I started reading Queen's Peril, it didn't meet all my expectations. I really like the prologue and epilogue. I found that really sweet, and it might be my favorite part of the book, as as I loved the parallels between Leia and Padme. You could almost divide the book into three sections, the first being when Padme is elected and getting to know the girls, the second being the summit concert, and the third being the Phantom in a storyline. Listen to this. You're going to like this. Like you, Aaron, I felt like the book had no plot. Other than the Phantom at the end, there wasn't a whole conflict resolution problem driving the story forward at the beginning. It was somewhat bland, to be honest. I was looking forward to seeing the handmaidens train together and become a team. Instead, we got simple sentences saying that they had been that they had been training. No elaboration. I think we really missed out on that. Knowing the backstory to the Amidala voice, the handmaiden's names, and of each girl's personal story was interesting, and I enjoyed that part, but to be honest, I was tempted to skip the beginning because I was so bored. (laughs) Look, she agrees with you. I love it. Then she said, once we got to the middle of the book, it started to get better. It was funny and relatable. We got to see the handmaidens pulling off their first deceptive trick. That was more of what I expected to see from this book. We got to see the girls become better friends and learn to trust each other. Something already established in Queen's Shadow. And then she says about the last section. I liked... I liked the last section the most because it showed off how much work the handmaidens were doing behind the scenes and the Phantom Menace. I didn't mind the fact that it flew through the events of the movie. It's relying on the readers already knowing what is happening. 
I've seen the movie so many times that it didn't bother me. Plus, we get the four-word paragraphs, Anakin Skywalker loved flying, which just made me laugh. It was great to finally know more about what happened to Yane and Sashe while they were stuck on Naboo. Sashe's torture scene was so hard to read, but I feel like it adds weight to the movie now, as does the food shortage. I did go back and watch The Phantom Menace. It is definitely better with this knowledge of what is happening on Naboo and what Padme and the Handmaidens were thinking and doing. Other random bits I liked were Palpatine browsing his art collection, Padme and Shmi getting to know each other while Shmi was fixing her data pad viewer thing, Mace and Yoda's little conversation, and Mariek scolding Panaka for stupidly putting a blood detector in the girls' room. <laughs> oh my god, so true. She said, overall, I would give Queen's Peril an 8 out of 10. It didn't have a great plot, but it gave us backstory and added to my understanding of the Phantom Menace. Thanks again for the amazing podcast. I can't wait for your next episode. Wow, very thoughtful I like it. email. I know. Full review. I like it. I like it. And like I said before, if you send us an email, we'll read it on the show. So we want to hear what you guys think. So, Julia, thank you. Thank you for that. And I think we have a little bit of news. News bit. that I didn't even know about, actually... Well, I feel like I knew about it, but I didn't think about it. And then you said, hey, your book probably has this. And I was like, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and then it did. <laughs> yes, we got the uh, first edition of the of Thrawn Ascendancy. Woo woo. Which is special because it's got blue pages. Which, okay, I get it. I get the blue pages. I get why it's cool, but also why? I think it's just, it's a cool <laughs> idea. It makes it unique and it gives like collectors something, you know, if you get that first edition, it's like you have that on your shelf where you can say, I got the first run, you know, I got the first edition. My pages are blue. <laughs> makes people I've feel special. Warm. I'd be more impressed if, like, the edges of the pages were gold, like how books used to be, you know, like first editions, and you had, like, the gold-edged pages. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I mean, when I first heard the announcement that they were going to do this, I was kind of like, oh, okay. That's okay. Like, no big deal. And then I saw people getting them, and I see people, like, showing them. I'm like, now I want one. Like, it's that kind of, <laughs> like, it's it's much cooler when other people have something you don't have, I guess. And so then I was like, oh, I hope I get one. And then I did get one. So I was pretty mm -hmm. happy when I got it. But do you have your copy near you? I do. Because we can't review this book yet. It's, uh, no, not yet. No, it's and too I early. Haven't read it. I haven't read it yet. So. We haven't read it. We're not allowed to review it yet. It's still under the time that you're allowed to do that. But I think we could at least comment on a couple things. Sure. Um, because the cool it thing about... on sale. September first. Yeah, so just in a few days. I know. So we're we're actually actually Aaron, reviews were embargoed until yesterday as of this recording. So we could review oh, it. Oh, okay. So however, anything I say is not gonna get me in trouble. Right. And however, I haven't read it. I'm not gonna review anything. So. I'm just talking about the like the stuff that comes before the book starts. So if you flip to the title page. Uh-huh. Where title. the where it has like the cool silhouette of Thrawn with the where he's got white eyes. You see that? Oh, yep, yep, yep. There's like a that symbol that's just below the Star Wars logo. 
Ooh, new Star Wars symbols. Very much looks like uh, Doctor Who, Time Lord, mm -hmm. Gallifreyan type symbol. I so can that see that. Kind of stuck out to me. I was like, oh, that's interesting. But I, I, I don't know what that has to do with, with anything in the book. But maybe we'll find out. Um, but then it's got like they've been doing. It's got the Del Rey timeline, which is updated, Thanks. which is cool. Oh, oh, oh! I just saw it. Oh my god. What? It's in the book, Aaron. <laughs> the thing we like so much is back in the book. Which? What are you talking about? The the dramatis persona. Oh yeah, that was where I was going. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, and they they break it down in a way that's kind of very detailed, oh. which I remember the old Legends books, they kind of just had a list of names, but this actually breaks down a little bit more information about, like, family ranks and ruling families and political hierarchy. It's pretty cool. I hope they start doing this for all the books. Okay, so I just want to say to anybody from Delray, if you're listening to this, we like this. I think and they we... heard, I think they heard that people we, have been missing this because... We want this back in our books. And I don't know if this, may, maybe they included it just because it's a Thrawn book, and maybe they feel like they need to establish some of the, you know, characters and the, the families and all that would be kind of hard for people to learn. So maybe it's not going to be in all the books, but this is a good start. It's a good so, start. Yeah, I'm a, I think I'm a first fan. edition Thrawn with blue pages, two thumbs up, and I haven't even read it yet. I'm, I'm a fan. I like it. I like that. Okay, but hold on. It all matters what the book looks like when the jacket's off. Nope, just black. It's just black. Just black. Sad. Yeah, that's kind of boring. It would have been cool if the spine had been blue. I'm just saying. I agree. Even if, if the whole cover was blue, it would be cool. That would have been cool, too. Because they did, like, um, the last the the last Alphabet Squadron book was, like, oh, Lilac. It, yeah. <laughs> Which Oh, that's sitting right next to me. <laughs> oh, They're all over right the place. Here. I have books <laughs> everywhere. It's kind of how it is here, too. Books everywhere. Books everywhere. All right, I just threw that on the floor. Let's move on. I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> now, question for that. Are you going to do any of the audiobook, or are you just going to do the book book? I usually do some of the audiobook, so I'll probably... But you know I always complain about the audiobook with Thrawn and how boring his voice is, so... Oh, yeah, but I like it. I know. I know you like the Okay, voice. well, I'm probably going to do the audiobook, so. All right, I'll do some audiobook just so I can talk about it with you. Sounds good. Sounds good. So what are we talking about on this particular episode? We are going to talk about... Oh. What? The nightmare <laughs> that I've been having like the past two nights because of this book. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's definitely creepy. It is creepy. It is. It is incredibly creepy but almost in like a really good way because so this is definitely books like stories we don't usually get right so. and i'm not well we'll talk about it. let's let's intro the book first and then we'll get into okay. talking about it so on today's episode, we're going to be reviewing Star Wars Dark Legends, written by George Mann. It's published by Disney Lucasfilm Press. It was released on July 28th of 2020, and the publisher summary is, Read on if you dare. This unique in-world collection hallows the spooky tales and ghost stories that would have kept young Luke and Leia up at night. Created by George Mann and Grant Griffin, the same team behind the stunning Star Wars myths and fables, these six 
frightful fables have been carefully woven from the expansive fabric that is the Star Wars galaxy, including the thrilling landscape from Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and beautifully painted in a lush, illustrative style that feels intergalactic yet innately archetypal. Archetypal? How do you say that word? <laughs> it's well, I know archetype, but with an A L at the end, is it archetype? I think you got Hell. it the first time. Archetype, uh, whatever, and timeless. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound right. Oh my gosh! Yes, ghost stories is hundred percent accurate. Yes, it is. And did you read the myths and fables one? Did I you... did, but I, like, skipped around in it. I didn't read, like, through. Yeah, I never got through. I, like, I read, I think, the first couple stories in that and really liked it a lot. We but... kind of briefly touched on it in episodes, but, like, we never really, like, truly reviewed it. So this is our first time reviewing one of George Mann's books, and I'm yeah. impressed. Count well, me impressed. One of the things I saw people were complaining about for kind of the, you know, book collectors is how different the books look, you know, cover size. So I don't know if you, like, have looked at your Myths and Fables book. I haven't book. put them next to each other. If you, like, if people were saying it on Twitter, and I was like, oh, it can't be that much different. And then I went and grabbed it off the shelf. It's, like, starkly different. Myths and Fables is, like, big, like this really tall book. And and Dark Legends is, You can is, literally like, show me right now. I know. I can. But I'd have to walk over to that shelf. So go get it. So yeah, I'm showing. This is for our YouTube channel yeah, our, that we don't our YouTube have. Channel. Yeah, that we don't have. Since we're an audio-only podcast, the listeners aren't getting anything from Holy us. Holy crap! But you can see the difference. Wow, I would even thought about putting those next to each other. Okay, okay. So here's why I think that it's that way. Can I give you like my, I don't know, my conspiracy theory? Sure. Okay, so ghost story books are typically like old and tattered and they're kind of like smaller you know and like you would take them with you when you're going somewhere and they're like you know passed on handed down handed down like that kind of thing right mm -hmm. whereas the myths and fables book is like a look at me you know so that's that's why i think now the question is because i can't remember and i don't have my myths and fables near me is the aesthetic of the pages still the same, like with the ripped edges and then? It's a, it's so they're uneven. The pages feel uneven, but they're not like serrated like the dark legends. Okay, so they're, there's a difference. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's probably why then, because that was something I was going to comment on in a review of this book is that they did such a wonderful job with the pages and we've talked about that before there's another there's another star wars book maybe it's the the dan wallace books like the book of sith and the jedi path and bounty hunters code that have the pages have that wornness to them or they've gone that extra mile to have you know that kinesthetic kind of difference to the book so when you're feeling it and you're touching it or we've talked about the covers of some of the books being like really soft and smooth from disney from disney press right and stuff so 
that's probably it. Like they went that extra mile of like this is the small creepy ghost story book with these pages that are serrated, you know, like it would have been cooler if they were a little bit more weathered looking, you know, instead of so nice and pristine, like that would have bumped it up a notch, but that was something I noticed, and I was like, hey, way to make this book even creepier. Yeah, maybe if it had, like, a dust jacket, and then when you yeah. take the dust jacket off, the book looks, like, really aged and old. Yeah, um, that would be cool. My conspiracy theory is they were just wanting to save money on the printing. <laughs> and they made it smaller. But it is weird because it's a very similar book, but they definitely don't look like they should be next to each other on the shelf. But that's, you know. Enough about book covers. We should but talk about the content. Important. Like for book collectors, which I mean, let's face it, you and I are book collectors at this point. I don't think either of us could look around in our podcasting rooms and not say we're book collectors. <laughs> so I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I I do too. I'm not as stick I'm not as much of a stickler about that stuff as some people I know are. So mm-hmm. I just put it on a different shelf. Like I have books that are all similar heights and they usually are next to each other on shelves. And so these won't be next to each other on shelves, even though they kind of should go together. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, Dark Legends. I Man, this one was really cool. Like even just reading the intro, kind of that yes. first part, it just gets you in the kind of in that mindset, the creepiness. Right. And I'm not a big horror fan by any means. Nope. Me either. And I don't, and mostly because I don't like horror movies. I don't necessarily like to be grossed out you know so anything that's like super disturbing or super gory not for me but this was just the right level of creepy that i actually really really liked it so i have levels when it comes to horror which i'm saying in quotation mark bunny ears you know because like i do not like gore in any form whether it's in a horror movie or an action movie or whatever movie i don't like gore i don't like it I don't like, okay, well, let me rephrase. I don't like gore to just be gory and violent. You know, if it's like a war film, that's a little bit different, you know, because there's like a reality setting to it. When it comes to horror genre, I don't like anything that is real people that could actually do stuff. And I always say it with these two movies and people are like, well, those movies suck. Like Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. I know those aren't the greatest horror movies, but for realties, there are people out there that are deranged and disturbed and that would do stuff like that. And do. They do. And I can't stand that. Now, like, paranormal, I'm fine with. Yeah. And then there's, then there's like, the gory horror. Don't like that. So basically, if it has to do with ghosts, I'm fine. If it has to do with anything else, no thanks. Yeah, and they kept this very much in the Star Wars world so everything that happens that's creepy or scary is kind of within the rules of star wars except i'd say for one story which we can talk about when we get to that one yeah but so it was it was cool how they did it and although there were definitely parts that were like oh wow like that's really harsh or that's really disturbing there wasn't anything that was like over the top you know they weren't describing people getting like ripped apart or anything like that well, and I mean, we've already been reading a lot of Delilah Dawson and Beth Revis, so I think we're kind of a little yeah. desensitized to some of Yeah, that. I don't need any more torture. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, okay, so one thing I want to note that I liked is they used a lot of Star Wars symbolism with the stories. 
which kind of, if you know Star Wars symbols, before each story, there's a certain symbol. And that sort of tells you what the story is going to be about and the kind of characters it's going to involve. And I love that. And I picked that up right away, like from the very, very first story. And so I kind of ended up flipping through to see, because you have the names, you have a table of contents, which is kind of nice. And then you have the the names of the stories. But if you flip to them, you can see the symbols that were chosen for each story. And I was like, okay, that one's more empire kind of timeline. I'm not going to read that one yet. I'm going to go to this one because this one has this symbol versus that one. And I just, I was like, that's neat. Yeah. It was a cool design aesthetic for sure. Um, so we can just kind of go through these one by one mm-hmm. and then maybe we'll, we'll kind of stay with the ones we like and maybe kind of skim through the ones we didn't like as much. But the first one like really started off strong. I, it was one of my favorite stories oh, in this book. Yeah. The yeah. orphanage. And the art. Yeah, this the so we'll say right now, if if people don't already know this, but you should know if you listen to our podcast, is we're gonna get into spoilers. So if you're listening to this and you haven't read this book, it's a really quick read, and it's literally very, like I sat down and read it in a day. Um, Aaron can never read a book in a and day, and I never read a book so in a day. <laughs> so it's, it's really short. It's big type, um, easy to get through the stories. So if you haven't read this yet, I would highly recommend reading it. And then coming back and listening to the rest of this episode. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. But yes. Okay. The so the image, orphanage. The first the image. Or- the first image is essentially, you recognize it immediately if you've watched Rebels. You'll see it and you're like, oh, it's an Inquisitor. It's definitely an Inquisitor. And they are talking about an orphanage of kids. And you're like, <gasps> child abductions child abductions (laughs) yeah it's in the way they tell these stories the one thing i like is it's it's very much written in a way that they're just telling you what happened and there's not a lot of dialogue there's not a lot of character development anything that you would expect from like a novel it's very much just they're just telling these stories the way that you would read like a fairy tale in in kind of older fairy tale books so they set up the story that it's this orphanage that has this legend, I guess, of this, you know, phantom that comes and takes kids. And I guess it's... Knights. Yeah. So there's this girl that ends up at the orphanage um, named Elish, mm-hmm. who's kind of the main focus of the story. Um, and then we learn throughout the story that she is Force-sensitive. They never say that. They never no, even they talk about... they don't say it. They just... They hint at it that there's something different and you kind of start to pick up on it that there's been others that are similar to her right and i think if you also know the imagery of the inquisitor you know that they're probably coming for children that show sensitivity to the force right you kind of figure that out pretty quick that that's what's happening these kids are disappearing um, and at first you think, you know, the way they describe it at the beginning of the story is that it's just some legend to kind of scare the kids into behaving, I guess. But throughout the story, then people actually do start to go missing. And then mm-hmm. you, you have the confrontation with the, with the Inquisitor. So I was, I was kind of trying to figure out if this was supposed to be the Grand Inquisitor that we know. The way he was described, he looks like him. The, the picture kind of looks like him. Um or is it just another Inquisitor that kind of really, really resembles him? 
Yeah, I I don't know. I hadn't really given any thought to it, but then you kind of brought that up, and it probably is. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I guess. And again, they never say Inquisitor. They never use right. that word. They never use the word Force. They never use any of these key Star Wars terms. So it's not... It's not spelled out for you. I mean, you would... As a Star Wars fan, you yeah. you pick up on what they're talking about without actually having to read the words. Like, they, when right. the Jedi shows up, um, they don't even... Do they refer they to her as a Jedi? They don't even call it a... No, they, they don't even call it a lightsaber. Yeah, they don't call it a lightsaber. I think maybe they did refer to her as a Jedi, but I... I don't think so. And she would be a survivor of Order 66 at this yeah, point. Yeah, and so. she's definitely... She was probably, definitely, probably, definitely, <laughs> that makes sense, of a Padawan at the time because there's some dialogue that happens between the Phantom and her name is Kira Vantala. Mm-hmm. And he never considered her any kind of a threat. Right. And so I'm assuming it's because she wasn't, she's not a Jedi Knight. Would yeah, be this- my- my this assumption. is the only so this isn't the only story that involves like force users, but right. it's the only story that has a a confrontation like a lightsaber battle between right. a Jedi and an Inquisitor um, or a dark side user. So yeah, it was really fun to read. This was this might be my favorite story from the whole thing. Um, I really like this one too a lot, yeah. a lot just because it was through the eyes of a child, which I think it was the perfect story to be at the front of this book because it's, it draws you in to go, okay, well, what are the rest of these stories like? Because if the kid, this kid is telling this story, you know, this essentially this ghost story of this thing that's happening to her. You're like, okay. Right. And this one does end (laughs) on kind of a high note. Not all of them do, but they survive the confrontation Mm -hmm. And they're able to get away, but then at the end they kind of hint that this character they thought they had defeated the the Inquisitor and killed him, but then he you hear his laugh at the very end that he still survived, and which would still f- fall in line if it is the Grand Inquisitor that he survived, because um, obviously mm-hmm. he wouldn't have died here. Right. But right. yeah, so this one was good. This one was a good one. I I like that. The only the one thing I would say, if you wanted to get super technical with it. Um, in kind of, I know it's a ghost story type of thing, so it makes sense for the ghost story side of it. But in my mind, if an inquisitor was like going and taking like force sensitive kids from an orphanage, he would probably just go in the front door and take them. Like it wouldn't be this like sneak in through the window and you know kind of. I don't you know. know, man. I don't know. So that was the only thing I was thinking. Really, like he I doesn't. I think that I would think that the if it's the grand inquisitor, he definitely wouldn't go through the front door. He doesn't want to come into any confrontations with people. Like he wants to go. Really? He wants to, he wants to steal these children, and he probably likes this aspect of fear that he's imparted on these kids. You know what I mean? Like he's got to feed off that. I guess the the one thing would be if he did just show up and demand, you know, show up and take any kids that were force sensitive. That would be like a one time thing. But if he steals them away and sneaks them away then they don't really know what's happening so they'll continue to bring more so i guess Mm -hmm. that would kind of make sense 
Okay. I'm fine with it. Next story. Buyer beware. <laughs> and next, buyer beware. Buyer beware is interesting because this is one of those that kind of goes into that whole area of Galaxy's Edge because uh, it's got Doc Ondar in it. And right. So the I mask. thought that was kind of interesting that they were sort of allowing Galaxy's Edge to be a part of this because I wasn't expecting that. Maybe I should have been, but I wasn't. Well, yeah, I think if you if you don't read the publisher summary, it would not be. Which expected. I usually don't. Which you don't until usually. we record. But it is in the publisher summary that Galaxy's Edge is included. And I think at this point, probably throughout, throughout a lot of the publishing, they were trying to promote the parks. And so they slipped it into this one, too. Because um, even in the, in the you know, publisher summary, they say, they don't just say Batu or Doc Ondar. They're like, at Disneyland and Disney World. You know, it's it's clearly a marketing, you know, ploy to include it here. But it fits. You know, Doc Ondar is a collector. He collects this kind of crazy stuff. It makes sense he would have some kind of magical mask that, you know, people can look through and see the bad deeds of some other person. Um this one was less. This Maybe. one was a little. This one was a little more like thoughtful or heady, and not as much kind of scary, but mm-hmm. just kind of like the psychological, you know, aspect of it was interesting. Yeah, but see, that's the kind of stuff that freaks me out. Yeah, <laughs> the psychological aspect of things, and I don't know if I'd really want to look into the eyes of someone who's committed a bunch of like really awful, awful things. Um, I, when, with that, I kind of think of like, if you were to put on Leatherface's mask, like, is that something you really want to do? Cause no. It's you kind know, of a unique or... story in that. I don't know that I've ever seen, cause some of these other stories are reminiscent of other things. But this is one where I was, I don't know that I've ever seen a story where the idea is that if you put on a mask, you see through someone else's eyes. Maybe I just am not w- well-versed enough in, in this stuff, but it seemed unique to me. Um, but you see this guy kind of like everything that he does gets worse and worse. And he finally kind of just gives into the fact that he thinks, okay, this thing's showing me how to be successful. So if I got to poison somebody... If I got to like do this thing, like he's killing people. And then, so when he gets what's coming to him, you don't feel bad for him at all. No. What's the symbol that's with that story? I don't remember. Uh, what was that one? I still have the book here. There's a cool picture of Doc Ondar too. in right before the story yeah. where he's kind of holding up the mask and looking at it and you can recognize his store in the background. That was a, the Batu symbol. Um, the one that's on the coin, oh, if you get the, that coin. On the, that gift card thing? Yeah, so it's got like the, the skyline. or whatever. Yeah, it's got the skyline right, with the, the spires. The spires. So yeah, it's cool. Right, right, right. All right. Yeah, that wasn't one of my favorite ones. It was okay, but... but it was okay. Yeah. It was okay. It's not bad. It's not bad. Then we have the predecessor. The predecessor. This was my least favorite. Yep. No, I agree. Out of all of them. And like, really, it was a simple story. This guy, he becomes promoted. And you kind of realize pretty quickly, if you know Star Wars at all, the reason why any officer gets promoted in Empire is because the guy before them probably got killed. Got killed. (laughs) Uh, So you're kind of, you kind of see it coming throughout as you're reading this. And I guess he's basically just haunted by the specter of who came before him. 
And then at the end, he gets choked out by Vader, and he's like, oh, I should have seen it coming because this Spectre was trying to warn me. Right. Well, and this one I kind of knew wasn't going to be one of my favorites because it has the Empire symbol next mm -hmm. to it when you started off. So I was like, okay, this is probably going to be, you know, something that's not as not as full of myth and legend, you know, as some of the other ones. So and I think Vader's like, mask is like the and, yeah. Well, he's the cover of the book too, so <laughs> they're always going to put Vader on the cover just because that sells, Anything but. Bad. But yeah, I, you know, I kind of, yeah, I was in the same boat. This one wasn't, wasn't the best for me. And this is the one I would say that probably does go the, f the furthest away from like established lore in Star Wars as well, because there's like, why would this officer be seeing ghosts? You know, this, right. he's just some, it's not like he was a force user that was a spirit or something like that. It was just another officer that died and they've never really had ghosts like that in Star Wars before. So that was kind of different. Right. So. Or if they've existed, we didn't know about it. Right. No rando ghosts. They have to be force okay. users. No rando ghosts. Okay, well, the next one... Are you ready to move on? Because yeah. I am. Blood the next Moon. one next one is my favorite. Next one is Blood Moon, which I think from the title in and of itself, you can figure out what it's going to be about. Probably werewolves. Probably some blood. Probably some nighttime hauntings of werewolves. <laughs> Well, they kind of uh, tip you off with uh, the art is kind well the of... art yeah there's literally just like a werewolf on the front um but then there's the planet's name is Lupal, which is very yep. you know kind of werewolfy werewolfy um, <laughs> werewolf uh, and then they include the alien species the shistavanan which is basically they look like werewolves so you kind well, of see, see this and one i didn't i didn't know that because so I read Shistavanan and I was like, I should know what that one looks like. But as I've said before, sometimes I have to go and look stuff up. Yeah. And <laughs> so it's, I looked it up, but I was like, oh, okay. I okay. But in the, yeah, in the movie, in like um, A New Hope in the bar scene, you just see really quickly, you see this werewolf looking alien. Right. And then it's that's... not like there's a label on him that no, says no, no, Shistavanan. Yeah. But in, in like, in legends and in other fiction, they've kind of taken that you know species and used them a number of times. But it was it was familiar to me when I saw it. I was like, oh, the werewolf species. Okay, we're, we know who's going to go crazy and turn into the werewolf. <laughs> now I do like that there's a Lasat in this. I also like that there's a Tigruda. Like they pulled out some very specific species that you're like, okay, I kind of know what these people look like. And the Lasat too, they're very kind of animalistic looking. True. So you kind of think, oh, that that could be a possible. No, they're not really werewolfy, but they're definitely more. They look like a big animal, a big beast. So. Say that to Zeb's face. Right. Yeah. Go say that to his face and Care see what about. he does to you. <laughs> All right. So Blood Moon, this is really interesting. Now they do. They name like a bunch of planets and like a bunch of like just like they throw. They throw Star Wars words at you, you know, and you're like, yeah. what? Like, where is this? And me, I want to go grab my atlas and figure it out, which, of course, you can't do because a lot of these don't actually, like, exist. I'm pretty sure. You know? And the, the cool thing about this book, too, is he made up a lot of stuff that's new. You know, I think right. all the planets yeah. that they talk about, maybe with the exception of, you know, a couple of the obvious ones are new planets. They, it wasn't like he was yeah. using existing planets. 
Yeah, so Lupal is a first appearance. Uh, it's Moon of Thross is a first appearance. Mm. You know, so it's not... You can't go look these up, even though you really want to. I mean, they mention Outer Rim, and they mention Wild Space. And you that's enough for you as a Star Wars fan to understand, okay, so way out there, <laughs> somewhere, you know... Um, well, they but, have the fractured Kyber star too, yeah. which is kind of a the the use of Kyber in this whole book is kind of all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. But the idea that there's a, a star that the heart of the star is Kyber, and it's fractured and it's shooting out these like, you know, whatever these, red. These, what is what what did they call him? Um, yeah, they had a name for it, but I'm I'm blanking. They have a on name now. for it, but. It's essentially like this, flare, like solar flares. Like yeah, like solar flares. Yeah. Like this this Kyber crystal that's fractured is like sending out negative energies, you know, right. and it's sending them to this moon, which they're on to excavate and to kind of research what has happened to this planet and this moon when it basically got blown to hell. And so with this Kyber crystal thing, and it's influencing the minds of the characters and like at night the solar flares or whatever they're called get worse you know and so it it throws the character what was his name his name was Cordis Brack. Brack he gets he's the one that's influenced the most initially by these like solar flares and he starts attacking because he turns werewolfy and he starts attacking his crew and so the first one he attacks, like, well, the first thing that happens, because this is like a psychological thing, right? So the first thing that happens is they start to fight each other. Right. Yeah, so it's slowly, like, seeping into their brains, and they start to fight each other. And then Vrak attacks Borzel, but doesn't realize that he's done it. It's like, it's like Professor Lupin. Like, he doesn't remember what he does as a werewolf, you know, but when he comes to, he's like, what happened? You know, and then the stronger the flares get, the more Vrak realizes, oh, it's me. I'm the bad one. And then he loses all sense of self and turns into Roar. And, and he even him. tells the crew, he's kind of like, maybe you guys should lock me up or like, I'm not safe to be around. They're like, you're fine. It was just you're one whatever. night. It's okay. And then the next night, he like murders everybody. He like murders uh, everyone. Which Although, was. Which was kind of graphic. That was probably the most graphic the book got was the scenes yeah. where they were kind of describing him him killing a couple of the crew. Yeah, Sis. Well, Sis, they didn't really cover all of Sis. They didn't really go into. But Fionn Tukat, that one, there was a little a little bit there. Um, Romina Foss is the only one that gets away and one of the droids. Uh, Rufus they get away. or something like that, wasn't it? Is it is it Rufus? I don't, I don't know. know. There's R- there was a droid R- name. F- that... RFU five, I think. So Rufus. <laughs> That's kind of how I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> well, for lack of a better name, we'll call him Rufus. So Foss and Rufus get away. Now they get away with the help of Borzel, though, who we thought was dead. So I thought that was kind of cool mm-hmm. that he did come out of you know wherever and helps distract Mr. Werewolf Man so that they can get into the ship and get away. However, yep. Romina Foss, this Foss lady, makes the terrible decision to turn the ship and to 
basically pick him up because he kind of gets away from the werewolf and picks him up. And it's like, dude, do you know anything? Do you know anything? He got bit by the werewolf. Obviously, now he's got werewolf blood in him. So now he's going to turn into a werewolf on you, too. Which, and that's how the story ends is this super creepy where he's looking at her with these, like, I, in my mind, it's like red eyes full of bloodlust of a werewolf. And, like, it's the blood of the werewolf is slowly seeping into his veins and <laughs> turning him into, like, this monster. And I was like, oh, oh. Well, it was definitely a cool callback to traditional werewolf stories because that's how it would happen right so when you get bit you turn into a werewolf but that's not how it would happen here because the schist of Annan isn't a real werewolf so he's just being influenced by the solar flares which is exactly what's happening to to borzel so but they did show the scene where he clearly gets bit so it still calls back to traditional werewolf stories without actually being the same mechanics i guess so but very yeah this was this was probably Maybe this was probably my second favorite story. I really liked it just because it was relatable to stuff we already kind of know. Yeah. It was a, it was a cool werewolf story in Star Wars, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And I like the appearance of a Lasat. Yeah. And I like that they used recognizable species so you could kind of picture it as everything was happening. All right. So the next one is Dark Mirror. I'm surprised this one isn't one of your favorites, to be honest. I mean, I like the fact that it had Jedi and like a Jedi Master and, a, and an apprentice, and they had like the Kyber amulet, you know, that, that was, was Kyber in it. It was made out of wood. No, it was a wooden amulet, but it had Kyber in the in the heart of it. Oh, it does. Yeah, that's what was able. Why to... is everything with a heart of Kyber? Well, I think why th- is that? Ever since like Rogue One, it's like a heart of Kyber. Well, I think it's actually a good storytelling device, although maybe they overused it a bit in this book. But is it like midichlorians now? Is Kyber and midichlorian? I think it's just a good way to show, like, that it's a force sensitive material. Yeah. That can yeah, influence I get, people. I get it. I'm just kidding. But I'm just kidding. you know, it's supposed to be like a lightsaber crystal. You know, that's really what they were designed to be. But now it seems like, oh, if you want to have some kind of dark side influence or some, you know, it's any kind of like cool object that's dark side or light side related it's going to be some kind of kyber attached to it so right and the artwork for this one so first of all one of the things that maybe you want to read this one is there's a jedi symbol so it's like uh and then the the artwork is really cool because it's this jedi but then there's this shadow like on the wall and it wasn't until after i read it and i went back and looked at this image and i was like oh man okay because at first i just saw the jedi you know i didn't see the the wall shadow man right this one is this one is kind of like the one with the mask in that it's a little bit more um it's kind of talking about the psyche of the people Mm -hmm. and kind of you have to kind of think about it which is interesting how the master was so well regarded he was like hero jedi best of the Jedi, never did anything wrong. And then you realize that the reason why he was so good was because he was taking all his darkness and he was hiding it like in this, you know, little amulet, which was a first rule of true crime. You never know anyone 
Never. That right. is the first rule of true crime. And as someone who listens to way too much true crime. So you just don't was, trust anyone now? You're just like trust, every person that you think is good. You're like, no, you have dark anything. secrets. I see a baby shoe on the side of the road or at a park, which I did with my mom once. And I was like, abducted child. Abducted child. Oh, my gosh. What a dark way to live. I I can't I, I don't listen to those. I do get caught up in maybe in like a Netflix documentary, you know, every once in a while, but I, I can't do the podcast. I I feel like that would just be too much. But I think it's interesting. Plus you're you're a man. You're a man. It's true. Uh I'm a small girl, so I like to keep my wits about me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it just kinda helps. It helps with the brain. <laughs> Are you saying men don't keep their wits about them? <laughs> this... well, some don't. I'm just saying that I'm more likely. I'm more likely being a small female that's a minority to be the victim of... Oh, you're more in danger some... in general. Is this, yeah, I'm more likely to be a target. Okay? That's all I'm saying. So you shouldn't be listening to this stuff because it's all going to get in your head. I really, I really, well, no, but it also helps to, to trust your gift of fear, Aaron. Okay. <laughs> All right. It does so, keep us alive. Keeps us alive. But... Uh, no, so I didn't notice the creepy shadow man in this until after I'd read this particular story. I went back and looked at the artwork, and I was like, oh, dang. Okay. They definitely have very Star Wars-y names throughout oh all of this. Oh, my gosh. Like, stuff you can't pronounce. Like, next-level Star Wars names, which yeah. I actually kind of appreciated because it reminded me of some old legend stuff where they used to kind of do the more Star Wars-y names now it feels like everybody's name is kind of trying to sound somewhat normal um in a lot of these books but the, he went you know if you go through the list of so all far we don't have anybody named john smith so we're fine no no johns <laughs> no ben no, John's, no. <laughs> there's soul soul magra master soul magra. nil idith it I, I was gonna say how are you gonna say that nil idith cages and see here's all you have to do to make a star wars name is put multiple consonants together with no vowels until like at the end throw in like a <laughs> random apostrophe here and there like that's the one name i think that we haven't gotten to it yet but there's one coming up that has like an apostrophe after a name patano dreth it's another one oh yes yeah. like even if you just kind of go back to the beginning like alger denholm you know fion tukat corollo <laughs> Cortis Vrak. I mean, these are only in Star Wars. Would you hear names like this? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so in this one, like Arian was saying, the main character of the story is Sol Magra, who's a Padawan. And he's the Padawan to this hero of the Jedi, Nil whatever, Idith, I guess, <laughs> uh, who's just so good and did all these amazing things. And he was just, you know, a rock star. You know, think like Yoda, but not green and small. <laughs> so Obi-Wan? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking more. When I picture Neil Edith, I picture Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah, I was pretty, like that kind of more heroic, almost yeah. gritty looking kind of. Or kind of like maybe a cross between Qui-Gon and Quinlan. Hmm. You know. Quinlan's a little too rough around the edges, I feel like. This guy was Anything too perfect. with a Q. Anybody is named who starts with a Q. <laughs> but he had a dark uh, yeah. secret. 
had a which, very dark secret. Which was one thing about these stories. There was always like some twist, some reveal at the end. So by the time you got to like the, the last couple, you started to just see it coming because you're like, okay, I get the pattern here. There's something, you know, there's a big twist coming. Uh, but this one had that twist where, you know, he, this, this guy's master dies. And then mm. he, so he starts to become this head Jedi and going on all these cool missions. And he's a hero just like his master, but he's like worried that he can't live up to his master's legacy. Um, and then he, he gets this amulet that his master used to wear, and he's he's wearing it all the time. And one of the big things that his master was known for is he got rid of this phantom that was, like, killing people in the, like, in the bottom of Coruscant. And um, now that now the phantom has returned, and so this, this guy's got to go and try to, like, take it out. But, you know, long story short, he realizes that the phantom is really him, you know, the whole time. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, got this dark, this darkness that's been like kind of hiding away in this amulet. Um, yeah. So his his master, his master defeated this phantom, right? Which is probably him. It's probably yeah. It was definitely him because he himself. left the planet. And then yeah. he left and he went to go do time meditating, and I would imagine that's when he gets this amulet and he channels all of his dark energy and all of his leanings into the dark side and all of his whatever into this amulet kind of like the mask i guess and then with soul wearing it it's kind of like those solar flares it just like suddenly mm-hmm. it starts to sort of seep its way into yourself oh oh perfect think about it like the locket from harry potter slytherin's locket you know, the longer you're wearing it, the more crazy it makes you and the more possessed it makes you. And then you just do all kinds of bad things like leave your friends. Well, I thought it was it was kind of a nice little lesson, too, because nobody's perfect. You know, you know, nobody is perfect. Nobody's pure light side. So when you have a master like this guy had who that's the way everybody saw him there of course is going to be some darkness there and so i think that the only way this guy could have been so perfect is by hiding his darkness and by hiding his darkness he basically doomed his padawan to the same fate so it was it was kind of a nice lesson that there there does need to be that balance um, which star wars is always talking about the balance and the force so i thought it was a, a cool way to tell that I mean, if you're going to be bad, just go all out, you know, just be mall, just like embrace that stuff. It's not what right. I was going to say. Well, he does, I but... guess he does at the end. He kind of soul magra once he realizes no, he that he's. Away. He doesn't, he doesn't admit to his atrocities. Well, he, he basically think... says, I can't go back to the Jedi now because of these horrible things. So I'm going to, I thought it said something about him, like kind of embracing it. No, I think end. he runs. Doesn't he just run away? But he does go away. Yeah, he does. He definitely leaves. So the Jedi probably are like, what the heck happened to this guy? He was the best. <laughs> hey, Master Yoda, what happened to that one guy? Is it the, the, the final paragraph so- says it is whispered that he is still out there somewhere, a creature yeah. in the shadows, forever clutching the amulet that sealed his doom and driven only by his instinct toward the dark side. Mm. Dude went dark dark i would like it. to ask master yoda about soul magra yes yeah what happened to well that is another cool thing with this book is that they, it introduces 
just these really short snippets about all these characters. So you're thinking, oh, that would be cool to get more expanded information or like, who knows, maybe in some novel in the future you get, you know, one they of these people. Soul Magra. Remember yeah. Soul Magra? What is that one book? There's that one, there's one book where, oh, it's in Dooku. In, in the Dooku book where they're talking about these past Jedi and all of these relics like Sith relics and dark, mm-hmm. you know, whatever this is kind of one of those things right it's, it's like, like a amulet of soul magra is like in wherever that is yeah it's gonna show up somewhere hopefully that'd be cool and we don't know when this is when this happened no no idea no so idea it could be timeline. maybe the high republic or something where you know there's stories of soul magra or maybe he's in the high republic you know so yeah true that would be cool all right next one the next one is the Gilded Cage, Gilded which Cage. this one does have some familiar elements to it. It sure does. Like Night Sisters and yes, Night Sith. Sisters. And that, and I was kind of waiting for that particular one to show up. Like there had to have been a story involving the Night Sisters because it wouldn't make sense for there to be a ghost story that doesn't involve them. I feel like the Night Sisters are perfect fodder. For yeah, because they are story. like, they are not only witches, but they also hey, don't say it like that. Witches are wonderful. The witches of Dathomir. They're, yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're fantastic. The witches of great. Dathomir yeah. say it with a smile. So they are witches, but True. they also like create zombies on purpose. That's, that's, so there's like that's two. Not wrong. Yeah, there's I mean, two kind of like horror like, or weird instances of that kind of with um what's his name oh my gosh maul's brother oh yeah well they do i mean obviously in like in the clone wars right there's this whole battle with the zombie yeah. night sisters yeah. and then if you i know you haven't played jedi fallen order but that's actually a big part of that storyline as he goes to dathomir and he has to fight against these like resurrected night sisters so it's definitely been throughout all of star wars um, so it's a very familiar element that we're all used to seeing. Yeah, we get this new Sith Lord, Darth Kaldoth. Yep, Darth Kaldoth. Kaldoth. Should we get a couple then new Sith in this book? Bran Athmoroth. <laughs> Bran Athmoroth is the Jedi That's... who yes. actually but defeated him. That name him. sounds like Lord of the Rings, though. Yeah, well, Bran is basically like a knight in, or a Game, of Game of Thrones name. So that's probably the most normal name that we've gotten so far. But then his the rest of his name. Yeah. Othmaroth. Night Sister <laughs> Zeldin. Yep. Um, this one's interesting because there's like mind control involved. Yeah. The, they're trying to slowly manipulate this, this Sith. Uh, the Night Sisters are mad at him because he came in and stole a body. And he's trying to learn the Night Sister's secrets. Where are you? And so they see it as an act of war. They want to destroy this guy, but he's super powerful. So the way they're going to go about it is they're going to like slowly seep into his mind and like make him do things and kind of lead him into, into destruction. But every time they do, he always like turns it around and, you know, finds his way out. He has no idea that they're doing it. Or at least they don't think he does. Mm-hmm. Um, they trick him into getting like this apprentice that's going to kill him. 
He ends up turning the apprentice into stone. Like this one was really cool. I liked I liked the progression of the story. Yeah. I feel like this one has more more heft to the story than some of the others. You know, like the orphanage is very on the surface. It's like this is it. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one goes a little deeper into myth and lore and some of those things. And the more you know about the Night Sisters, the more you've watched you know, from Clone Wars or read from some of the books and things like that, the more you know and the more it makes sense. Right. Whereas if you're just reading this, you're probably like, what the hey? And we also <laughs> don't know, you know, time period on this one either because Mm-mm. if he's a Sith Lord and there's only supposed to be two at any given time, then he's got to be pretty far back. Um, well, I mean, there is a time when there was multiples. There wasn't the rule of two. I mean, rule of two was established with Darth Bane. So, right, I mean, so it it's, could it's be before pre-Bane, that. Right, and there was Darths before that. So it's entirely possible. I don't know that it's been established yet in canon on kind of that, how that works. I know we know from Legends kind of when the rule right. of two happened and Bane and all that stuff. But I think in canon it's still kind of iffy. I thought they had figured I thought they had established the rule of two with Bane in the Clone Wars during the like secret season. I know Bane showed up. I don't know that they said anything about the rule of two. I'm sure there's somewhere, but I I don't think like there's a clear kind of timeline yet. Either way, they also they don't mention Mother Talzin, they don't mention, Mm -hmm. you know, any of the names that you would recognize, so it's clearly not in the time period we're familiar with. Right. It's pre what we I feel we like a lot of these have got to be, except for the ones that have established themselves in a timeline, like um, oh, like the Orphanage and right. the Predecessor. Like, those two have kind of, like, established where they are in the timeline. Whereas I feel like the rest of these could be anywhere or they could be in higher public, older public time frame which is somewhere cool. that hasn't been established really so yeah. well they mention a couple things that make me think it's definitely you know older time periods um well they did mention the fact that he didn't take on an apprentice mm. which seemed like an oddity like he didn't want to take on an apprentice um wait maybe that's the next sith now, Isn't that the next one? I think that's the next one. Never mind. That's the but next one. they did talk about the guy he was fighting had a yellow lightsaber, which is usually oh. reminiscent to like an old Republic era. So, right. And those anybody who has yellow is technically like a protector, like a Jedi consular type role, like somebody who's a, the, the temple guards are the who temple have guards it now. Um, but I yeah. think in the old Republic, it was more common. Maybe I don't know. Now, now my legend stuff is starting to seep in. Colors, but yeah, there was a lot more colors in the in the legends jedi and you see in the high republic stuff the images that they've released there's definitely people using a lot of different colors Um, and there's there's yellow for sure i believe in one of those images point being we don't know yeah we don't have a clue we're just making crap up so thanks for joining us (laughs) (laughs) look this book is called dark legends so i feel like it's fair is it even yeah i was looking at the wikipedia page and it said this is canon, and I was kind of thinking, I don't know that it's canon. I think it's it's like well, on the edge of canon. Well, they said that about Myth and Fables, though. They said that Myth and Fables is canon, but it's like stories that are told within the you know within the Star Wars universe, right? Whether they're real or not, you know. So that's kind of the same with this. Like it's canon. Like these are ghost stories that are told, you know, by kids or whoever, 
So there's probably some truth to these legends, but not, you know, you couldn't come back and say, well, it says in Dark Legends that this happened, you know, because then it's like, well, it was just a story. So it's so let's put it at canon adjacent, like... (laughs) Like, like Freemaker Adventures. Like, like Freemaker Adventures, exactly what I was going to say. Or canon adjacent like the new Lego Star Wars Holiday Special that's going to be coming out. Mm, we'll see. I mean... We'll see how canon adjacent that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe that's coming out, by the way. Looking forward to it. I am too. I am too. And I really hope... Do we know... This is a total sidebar, guys. Sorry. Uh, Do we know if our faves are behind this? They're not. They're not? Well, if you're talking about the creators of Freemaker Adventures... I am. I'm talking about... They're not involved as far as I know. That's lame. Yeah. I love those guys. I think they were... I think they got some work after and they're busy on other shows and so they probably just weren't able to... To do well, it's it. lame. I don't approve. I don't approve. <laughs> yeah, because then we might have gotten like a Roger cameo or something. Oh man, or Cordy. Ugh, that'd be cool. Oh, well, but whatever. back to the Night Sister story. Back to the Night Sister story. You know, I zombies think... brain infiltration. <laughs> yeah, Z- Zeldin. She gets. You know, she keeps trying to influence this guy to destroy himself. He keeps tricking her. And then he find they finally get to the point. And you kind of see it coming um, mm-hmm. that he's known all along, and he's just using them to kind of get this stuff. And you know, in the end, he ends up trapping her in his brain, you know, kind of in his psyche, and she can't get out. And it's that's terrifying. The that's idea of scary that is that is awful. The idea of what happens to her, and even the way they describe it at the end, where he nobody ever hears from her except for except for him every once in a while when he just wants to hear her scream, you know, kind of thing. And oh, like, oh That's dark. That's some dark stuff right there. Oh, man. It's like Delilah Dawson wrote that. Oh, jeez. Actually, oh, I don't know. You know what? I don't think I want a book that would be written by Revis, Dawson, and Mann. I feel like that would be terrifying. In all aspects, because they are excellent at their craft. I think George Mann is really good at the, this style, so I, I hope they do more of these. Like, I do too. You know, because we've gotten the we've gotten the myths and fables, which was kind of more like heroic and light side. This is more dark. Maybe they give us one that's like, you know, s- stories of explorers or yeah. you know, some kind of. I think I hope they do a number, uh, like a few more of these, on different kind of topics. So he's to these books the way that Dan Wallace is to those, like reference, sort of style books, like in universe, sort of journal type books, like really, really good at that style. And right. you yeah, know, the, now the... of course Dan can do more than that, but like that's what he's been doing lately, and. Um, yeah, I think so too. They have some familiar species in here too, which again is helpful. So you have Duros, you've got Twi'lex, you've got Zabrox, you know, so that's all helpful. Yep. All right. And the last one, which we were kind of mixing up with this one is a life immortal. And this is another one with a Sith Lord. It is. It is. The artwork for this one is cool, though. Like, 
You've got the Sith Lord that has almost like a lightsaber whip type. Oh yeah, it's like a thing. what do they call it? It was like a scythe. Yeah, it's, it's like a curved, which they which isn't something they've done in, at least not in canon. Uh, this type of a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. I'm not a huge fan of them kind of deviating from a typical lightsaber too much. So this one is a little weird to me. The idea of like yep. this energy blade, but it bends kind of in that arc like that. It's kind of an odd. I don't know that I would be like wanting to see this as a regular weapon showing up, but as a one-off, it's not too bad. Yeah, and so we get Darth Noctis and Darth Sanguis. I don't yes. know if that's how you say them, but sounds right. Sure, he's why not? Very, he's very sanguine. He's very. <laughs> what does that even but mean? But she was, she was known for like beheading people. Yeah. With that, with she, that well, like curved blade, so energy blade, <laughs> whatever thing. So that was kind of creepy. Um, but yeah, yeah. And in this one, in this one, you get some locations that are kind of familiar because they talk about more inner rim related planets. So there's Malachor. You know, they mention Malachor. Uh, they mention Exegol. Well, Exegol is huge because that's yeah. like, you know, Rise yeah. of Skywalker. And right. we really haven't gotten any stories on Exegol other than, you know, what we've seen in the movie. So right. That was kind of a cool, you know, these the Sith have obviously been aware of this planet and doing stuff there for a very long time. And Malachor mm-hmm. is cool, too, because, you know, that's, you know, another Sith planet that was introduced right. in um, Rebels, I believe. So, yeah, her in, I was getting her mixed up with the other Jedi, she or the other Sith, but she was the one that didn't want to take on, a, a you know, a, an apprentice. She right. she did her own thing and all she cared about was trying to figure out how to become immortal. Right. Well, I mean, you're not going to take on an apprentice if you know that eventually your apprentice has to kill you. Well, that's like, I mean, a like typical, why would you? You know, that's just the Sith rules. You know, you, you I know, know but like, into. why would you do that? I mean, it's kind of like Darth Bane with Xana, you know, from the Bane books. I mean, he like, you know, I mean, I realize those are not those are legends now. But like, mm. you know, he was developing a way to where she wouldn't even be able to kill him. Because right. he wanted immortality as well. It's like all the Sith know the rules. They know the rule of two. So they know when they take on an apprentice, that apprentice is going to try to kill them. But every single one still tries to figure out a way around it. And, and tries they, to become immortal. But then they all end up still dying. What's the Covered exception in of? giant crab shells or whatever the heck happened to Bane. I can't remember. I just remember he slowly got covered and eaten by the big black giant crab shells. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Yeah, that's one way to describe it. <laughs> you know how books sort of stick in your head and like with whatever you had pictured? Right. And then that's sort of like what you remember. You're like, yeah, that happened. <laughs> right, yeah. They did artwork of that. It's very odd looking. He, I liked him better when he was just kind of cool with you know, with a bald head and, and his yeah, but Yeah, but when he was like that, he literally stepped on people's heads and crushed them. Darth Bane. He was interesting dude. It's a brutal, brutal, brutal person. Anyway, we're not talking about him. We're talk- talking about Darth Noctis. Darth Noctis, who goes to Exegol trying to figure out how to become immortal. She does. Right? Um, and this one was, it was interesting. Like she goes and she finds kind of this laboratory and she runs yeah. into this creature that is basically a golem. Yeah. <laughs> 
like the way they were describing him, I'm like, oh, this is Gollum. My precious. Yeah. So Gollum shows up, and so she's kind of like, oh, I'm gonna take on this pitiful creature to be my servant. And you're right away. This is the part where I got you get to the yeah. final story, and you're like, nope, there's a twist coming. Nope. This dude is, nope. you know, he knows what's going on. He's gonna flip it on her, which you know he she basically um, spends like all this time there, weakens herself figures it out and then does the whole crab things no not really she she does the whole spell and you know and everything and then the final thing she's got to do is she's got to like kill this guy and stab him and then that that... (laughs) (laughs) which gets the uh the whole thing happens to her and then she just like basically becomes him yeah. Um, and then realizes that he wasn't just some random creature. He was the last Sith right. that tried this. Darth Sanguine. So I thought I was taking a, a step further in my brain and it didn't go this way. But I was predicting that this creature was the former Sith, but it was using her to try to gain her power to reestablish himself. Like, so he would take uh, her, you know, he would take her force and see, then that would, would have been cool. It would revive him to his formal. That would have you know. been cool. So see, but this is what him. happens when you try to gain immortality as a Sith. You get covered in crab things or you become a golem. Yeah. So she is you now, know? I wonder if she's still kind of wandering around in the basement of Exegol oh my gosh, when like, maybe, and when like Ben gets knocked off that fell, cliff, yeah, and he, he, he encounters. <laughs> There's a deleted scene where he sees. <laughs> he's like, "Hey, what's you okay, hey. buddy? What's up? I gotta Ooh. climb this cliff, but I'll come I back got, and check I'll, on you. I'll be back. But yeah, <laughs> that, so she's still wandering around down there somewhere, looking for her precious. Probably. Yeah. So yeah, I've how just... weird would it have been if he like comes back with like the sickle? bladed lightsaber <laughs> and they don't explain it until dark legends yeah, exactly. where did that come from uh this was a good book i really it, i really it, enjoy these these kind of books and i like i'm really hesitant when i go on goodreads i always like mark books when i finish them and i n- almost never give something five stars just because i'm stingy I'm like, nothing's great. So, I, you know, four stars is the most I typically give a book. I gave this one five stars because I thoroughly enjoyed it the entire time I was reading it. Mm-hmm. Me, on the other hand, five stars. Five stars. You're just like handing them out like candy. Like, it's so good. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. And I think it's kind of case in point, like what I said to you. We don't get a lot of stories like this. We We read a lot of very serious Star Wars, you know, serious stuff and we don't get just kind of like cool fun different sort of stories that let your head just sort of wander into the myth that you know about in your star wars fan and kind of try to pull in and make connections like with the novels we're always searching for them to be so regimented and falling into this place at this time you know that kind of thing whereas this is just much more like create your own adventure kind right of and they introduce characters but it's really not the characters that matter right you know it's just this cool story that you know it could be set in any time period with any characters it's more about the the content of the story you know it's like this this wolf tale or this tale about this mask or this tale about you know this Zombies. amulet you know so it was 
yeah, it's very unique and it's kind of, it was just relaxing. Although it was creepy, it was still a relaxing read because you just didn't, you didn't have to worry about, oh, how does this connect to, you know, this thing that happens or, you know, this character or where's this character? Like you just didn't care about any of that. It's just. Well, now that you're saying that this kind of book is relaxing, makes me worry about you just a tad (laughs) and um, what effect 2020 has had on you. Um, (laughs) Right. Do I need to stage an intervention? I will be reading Myths and Fables now because I'm kind of like totally into this now. And I could I never... be too. And you know what? We might have we might have a little leeway with how things are progressing that we might be able to do an episode about Myths and Fables. So if you guys want us to do that, make sure you let us know either through email or Twitter or Instagram if you like this. Right. That you want to hear us do myths and fables because if we were I kind of want to just for myself, like just for fun. You know, when we do this podcast, we don't talk about this a lot, but a lot of it weighs on us really heavy because we're like, oh, we need to read this. We have to review this. We need to cover this because this is the next big book. You know, we're, I know you and I are probably feeling that pressure for Thronus and Nancy already. We're like, oh, here we go. Uh, whereas this is just like for fun. You know, it's like yeah it's nice to have the light reading every once in a while (laughs) and a book you can finish in a day instead of like the whole thing of okay if i listen to let's see it's this many hours if i listen to this many on this day i can finish it in this amount of time (laughs) which i don't think you guys understand is sort of what happens to us the life of a star wars books podcaster like how can i time out exactly that i'm going to finish this before and still fit in the rest of my life right exactly Exactly. We do that all the time. I'm, I've taken a book and taken the number of pages and the chapters and divided it and tried to figure out how many days it would take me. Absolutely. To read it. <laughs> I know. I do that exact same thing. Wow. We've never really had this conversation. No, like we never have. It, doing it on air, huh? But yeah, that's something I've done too. Where you just take the number of okay, I have 120 pages left. I have six more days. That means I have this many pages per day to finish. Yeah, yeah definitely. See, but I get tripped up with the chapters. Because I don't like ending in the middle of a chapter. So I'll kind of look at the You round to the, the next chapter. Cha- yeah. yeah. I'll, you know, especially if you – or if you notice that where the end is going to be just a few pages into the next chapter, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to stop here. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. yeah. that makes it awkward. Yeah, I wouldn't stop in the middle of a chapter. That's – what, I'm not a barbarian. Anyway, hi, welcome to our lives, everyone. How <laughs> we figure out how we read books. <laughs> but oh next, what's uh, I think what's next? I think we're doing free fall probably before we I do. Think so yeah, before we do Thrawn. So we'll have free fall coming up. We'll have Thrawn coming up, and I think we're gonna slip in something else in uh, before the end of the year too. So yeah, well, I mean, I'm always down for a good Poe Dameron story. Poe Dameron, yeah, free fall, yeah. I've heard it's good. I haven't read it yet. I've heard it's good. I haven't read it yet either, but I'm down to read it. I'm down to read it. All right. Well, you guys, if you want to get a hold of us in between our shows, you can find us on Twitter. We're at SW Bookworms. You can also send us an email, and we will read your email on the show. So we'd love to hear from you guys, just like we heard from Julia. StarWarsBookRooms at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Bookworms, And we have a Facebook group that you can jump into as well uh, a couple questions for entry but once we once we realize you're not like a bot or something we'll let you in and 
Or a zombie night sister. Zombie night sisters a... are not. Well, we let some zombie night sisters. Maybe, that might be maybe, cool. maybe a zombie night sister, yeah. but not but, a not a werewolf. Yeah, but we'll let you in, and yeah, we have a lot of cool people there discussing Star Wars books, so uh, you can check that out. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much every other place you can find podcasts. So find us there, and if you haven't left us a review yet, that would be great. You can leave us a nice five star okay. review. Yeah, five stars. Five stars. Throw it out there. Don't be Aaron. Be me. Throw it out. Give us some five stars. Right. Don't be stingy like me and give us four stars. You know, if you like us, just give us those five stars. There you go. Uh, You can find Teresa on Instagram and Twitter. Do you still TikTok? Did you retire already? No, I didn't retire. Okay. And TikTok. I I have all the social medias. I am not like Julia. Do not... Follow Julia. Do not follow me. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning, don't have social media. Basically, (laughs) Teresa's a bad example. I'm a bad example. Excess social media, but she is on all of them at Ice Cold Penguin, and I'm at AV Goins on some of them. On some of them. And until next time, keep on reading, and may the force be with you. Hey, little bonus content for the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I've been reading a new book, by the way, a non-Star Wars book. Oh my god, it's called Midnight Sun. Midnight Sun. Yes. Is it? I can't guess what that is based on the title. It is the retelling of the original Twilight book from Edward's perspective. I uh, see. I was going to joke that it was Twilight related, but I thought I would be wrong. Oh. Uh, let me just say this, okay? Let so it's fan fiction. This. Yeah. You're reading fan no, fiction. She, no, she wrote it. So wait, is it really Edward or is it like a stand-in it's re- No, it's really by Stephanie Meyer. She wrote the oh. retelling of Twilight, but from Edward's side of the story, not oh. Bella's side. I didn't let me realize just say, she had done more books. She just did this one so far. Okay. So let me just say that this is how the Twilight book should have been written from the beginning. It's so much better <laughs> than on Bella's side. It's so, And I think it's because... Edward's character is just so much more I don't know like he's so much of a deeper character and you don't really understand much of what goes on within him as this like 104 year old vampire that's experiencing all these things and I don't know I like I like that side of it because you get more of like Alice and Jasper and like of all those characters that you don't even get in the other books anyway I'm just saying that I'm reading it and That's it's exciting. Cool. It's just kind of cool, even though, I mean, I know Twilight, Guilty Pleasure, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Hey, it there's just... probably a lot of Twilight fans out there. Some of our listeners might be. Hey, I... I'm, not, I'm not going so far to say I'm a Twilight fan. You're but reading I have... another book. I've read all the Twilight books because I wanted to read them before I was like, meh. You know? So I'm just saying this one's better. Okay. And I would just like to put out there that she does the next one. Can it please be from Jacob Black's perspective? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. It would just be like, Bella. I love Bella. 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 I love Bella so much. Where's Bella? That would just be the whole book. Well, it can't be from Edwards. He's not there. He's in Italy. Okay. See, we're, talk- anyway, we're getting too deep into anyway, this. Anyway, I'm sorry, you guys. I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye.